Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wrestling fans have been subjected to some downright awful factions over the years. There's Vince Russo's Sports Entertainment Extreme. Get it? It spells sex. The League of Nations in WWE existed just to give Sheamus, my best friend, Wade Barrett, Rusev, and Alberto Del Rio something to do. And the less said about the pantomime theatrics with the Dungeon of Doom, the better. It even seems like for every truly great faction, there was an equally terrible one ready to spin off from it, with promoters trying to capitalise on milking once fantastic factions for everything they could. With that in mind, I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, and these are the 10 worst spin-off factions in wrestling history. Number 10, NWO 2000. NWO 2000 was just another one of the many NWO spin-offs and parodies over the years, like the BWO, the LWO, NWO Wolfpack, NWO Japan, I could probably go on. This was yet another offshoot of the original and legendary NWO, which bastardized its name, and Aura. With creative running dry on new ideas and Hulk Hogan donning the red and yellow colours once again as a babyface, WCW turned to Kevin Nash and Scott Hall to form a new incarnation of the NWO with Bret Hart and Double J Jeff Jarrett. Scott Steiner and the Harris brothers would later join the group because when you think of the New World Order, Ron and Don Harris are the first bloody names that come to mind. With its members not having much chemistry together though and fans exhausted of seeing the incarnations of NWO and lots of injuries piling up at once, the group thankfully folded after just a few months. Number 9. The Union The Union, or Up Yours, or The Union of People You Ought to Respect, Son, was a month-long faction in the WWF that amazingly had the hodgepodge of wrestlers Ken Shamrock, Mankind, Big Show and Test randomly coming together as a group to defy the corporation after feeling like Shane McMahon had gone mad with power since superseding Vince McMahon as its leader. Their gimmick and abbreviated name has long been rumoured to be an inside reference to Jesse Ventura's continuous fight to unionise pro wrestling because what a laugh that is. Other than a match at Over the Edge 1999 against the corporate ministry and their members, the Acolytes, Viscera and Big Boss Man, the Union are a long-forgotten part of the Attitude Era for good reason. Oh, and... What about the Attitude Era? After Vince McMahon revealed himself to be the higher power in the corporate ministry and with Mick Foley desperately needing knee surgery, the group quietly disbanded 
and its members went on to better things. Number 8. The Yamazaki Corporation It's agreed by many the Four Horsemen are the apex of wrestling factions, inspiring future grapplers like Steve Austin, Triple H and of course FTR to actually become pro wrestlers. The Yamazaki Corporation on the other hand inspired... Yeah, no one. The Four Horsemen morphed into the Yamazaki Corporation in the late 80s due to circumstances behind the scenes, with Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard quitting the NWA for the WWF and JJ Dillon later jumping ship there too to work as a front office executive. The Road Warriors and Nikita Kolov were just some of the names suggested to fill the sizable gaps in the Horsemen, but WCW, let's just say, went a different route. Old school wrestler George Scott was brought in to lead WCW creatively around this period, with him instead choosing to bring in his close friend Hiro Matsuda to manage the group. Under the pretense, Hiro bought out the remaining horseman contracts for Ric Flair and Barry Windham whilst representing a Japanese company called the Yamazaki Corporation. The idea was to play off Japan's economic growth and buying sprees of American-owned businesses and draw heat that way. Yeah, didn't work. Didn't work. Number 7. Harlem Heat 2000 there's an argument to be made that Harlem Heat might be WCW's greatest tag team of all time. They won the tag team championships an astonishing 10 times, tore it up in hellacious matches with the Nasty Boys, the Outsiders and the Steiner Brothers, and were of course inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Harlem Heat 2000 plays no part in their legacy though. Harlem Heat 2000 came to fruition after Booker T and Stevie Ray continuously argued on TV over female bodybuilder Midnight joining their group, which resulted in a match on Thunder between Midnight and Stevie, because of course it did. Midnight shockingly won with a small package, and as per the stipulation of the match, Midnight could join Harlem Heat, which Booker T was lobbying for. Stevie didn't take kindly to them losing though, turning on them afterwards by laying them both out. This would lead to Stevie going on to form Harlem Heat 2000 and Harlem Heat Inc. with Big T, Cash and Jay Biggs. It was a mismatch of forgotten wrestlers exploiting the Harlem Heat name for all it's worth. As Booker T was climbing the ranks to win the big gold belt as a solo competitor, Harlem Heat 2000 faded away into obscurity. Number 6. The Core oh. Sorry about this one, Wade. Say what you want about the Nexus, but they certainly made an impact in WWE in 2010. Wade Barrett led the team of hungry rookies in storming the ring in the famous angle to close Raw where they obliterated John Cena, CM Punk and anyone and anything at ringside. From that moment onwards, the Nexus were in central storylines and main events on pay-per-views for the rest of the year. But Nexus would lose too many matches, too many members and too much momentum. When CM Punk took over as leader for the Nexus, Wade Barrett moved to SmackDown along with Justin Gabriel and Heath Slater. And it was there that they formed the spin-off faction The Core with two R's for some bloody reason, with Ezekiel Jackson playing the heavy in the group. Title wins followed, with Barrett winning the IC title and Heath and Slater winning tag team gold, but they were just too generic and it was evident they weren't getting over to live crowds on TV. Unlike the Nexus, the core came nowhere near close to headlining pay-per-views and after being severely beaten in an eight-man tag at WrestleMania 27, the core broke up and went their separate ways. They did bring us the Apple faction for one night in 2011 though, so it wasn't all bad. Number 5. X Factor Oh, I've always wanted to do this. 
Yo, you dealing with the X Factor? X Factor was supposed to play off the colossal success D-Generation X had for the company the decade prior. X Factor kicked off their run when Just Incredible returned to the WWF after years spent in ECW and immediately beat up Eddie Guerrero on SmackDown with X-Pac. Albert, who had recently split from TNA, <laughs> get it, TNA, uh, later joined the group as an enforcer. It wasn't enough, though. Everything that made DX rebellious and cool, X Factor had none of that, and their entrance theme was Bloody Uncle Cracker. They were lacking in entertaining promos and worthwhile storylines. Thankfully, the invasion angle started a few months after they formed, and Just Incredible left the side with ECW, effectively disbanding the X Factor trio. Number 4. DOA and Los Bariquas A two-for-one on this entry, as DOA and Los Bariquas were spin-offs from the Nation of Domination after Farouk fired both Savio Vega and Crush. The Nation of Domination, of course, being the historic group dealing with sensitive racial prejudices and the group that jump-started The Rock's career to superstardom. Safe to say, DOA and Los Bariquas didn't have the same kind of success, really. Crush formed the Hells Angels biker-inspired faction, the Disciples of Apocalypse, with Chain, Skull and 8-Ball playing his lackeys. Didn't help that Crush left the group and WWF altogether after the Montreal Screwjob, which led to the even less charismatic Chains being promoted to the leader of the group. Los Bariquas was formed by Savio Vega with Jose Estrada Jr., Jesus Castillo Jr. and Miguel Perez Jr., with Savio being the only real star of the group. WWF not even trying to get other members over. And even then, fans were rarely reacting to Savio when associated with this lackluster group and gimmick. DOA and Los Bariquas wouldn't do much of consequence other than, of course, bloody feud with each other. Both teams did win an award, though. Congratulations, lads. Their feud against one another would be voted the worst feud of the year by Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Ah. Number three, The Oddities. The Truth Commission aren't exactly a particular high point of anyone's wrestling fandom. They were a politically charged group that didn't get over whatsoever with the WWF audience in the mid-90s. So you know a spin-off faction has to be bad when it spins off from an already terrible faction. Which brings us to the oddities. Don Callis, wonder what he's up to nowadays, as the Jackal put together the Freak Show villainous group and labelled them the Parade of Human Oddities, with discarded wrestlers like Golga, Luna Vachon, Kurgan and Giant Silver. Many believe they were a stable put together solely so Vince Russo could book them in angles with Howard Stern's show's equally bizarre cast of characters, a show Russo loved and was hugely inspired by because of course he was. You'd think for how bizarre they acted on TV, the oddities would yield some casual entertainment, but they just made fans cringe in unison. The oddities would later be reintroduced as playful babyfaces. Golga got heavily into Eric Cartman this time around, which was no accident given South Park was nearly equally as popular as the WWF was in the late 90s, and WWF was trying to milk their success too. It was a world away from when John Tenter was booked as a monster heel against Hulk Hogan in 1990. Less than a year after they were formed, all its members were released from their contracts. Number two, the Corporate Ministry. The Corporate Ministry represented some of the worst writing and storytelling of the Attitude Era. Oh, what about the... No, not even going to do that. Where Raw stopped being a wrestling show and somehow seemed to morph into a theatrical gothic soap opera that was so convoluted it was hard to keep up with what was actually happening on TV. The Corporate Ministry materialised when the corporation, led by Shane McMahon and Undertaker's Ministry of Darkness, merged together to rule over the WWE. 
WWF. The rich and ruthless business-centered corporation and the eerie and dark gothic-centered Ministry of Darkness joining forces didn't make much sense, but regardless, they looked to take out Stone Cold Steve Austin together. A nonsensical reveal by Vince McMahon to be the power, sorry, higher power in the group was the lowest point of it all. It ultimately meant Vince was the one responsible for having his daughter Stephanie McMahon kidnapped and nearly crucified or married to The Undertaker months prior. <sighs> Number one, the NWO B-Team. For God's sake, lads, you're called the B-Team. Forget every other faction the NWO spin-off. This is by far the worst. Even the WWE's version of the NWO in 2002 with Kevin Nash and Shawn Michaels that never really took off produced better moments than anything the NWO B-Team produced. They were lower card wrestlers labelled as the NWO B-Team by other wrestlers and commentators on the show. Kurt Hennig and Big Show momentarily being members was the only highlight. They would often be mocked by Hogan and other members of the NWO elite, and when you're getting mocked by Virgil for being a lower card NWO member, you know you're in trouble. There was little charisma in the group with no one really caring, and even their theme song sounded like generic jobber music. It's hard to fathom how NWO at Bash at the Beach 1996 crumbled into NWO B-Team, but that was symbolic of WCW at the time, with the entire company crumbling around this time too. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.